You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, the goal for today is real simple. We're going to start off by looking at these sweet, sweet PFF grades, and don't read too much into me saying that. It's just a thing I said in the moment. So, But after that, I want to answer the question, moving forward, it's, it, it, you know what it is? This is very similar to doing a 53-man roster, but it's it's future building roster when you're doing your 53 you've got your guys that are locks right they are a hundred percent 100 percent making the team right aaron Rodgers is not up for debate then you have several tiers beyond that all the way down to no chance if there's anyone even on no chance usually it's a couple guys like the the, the two guys we just picked up this week to fill in for somebody that just got hurt you can put him on that list however many gradations of that you want is up to you so, again, we're going to start with PFF just for this week. Then we're going to zoom out and look at for the season, because I don't think we've really done that very much. Where, where is everybody at for the season? And I'm not saying we're going to come up with a definitive list, but it's at least a good jumping-off point to say, okay, next year, are we running it back? Right? So one of the biggest, well, there's a couple things. Number one, if Rodgers, Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones, some of those key pieces, say, say Amos, whatever, some of these guys might stay or go regardless. But if if some of these key pieces are some of the only things that are working, maybe you consider coming back. Maybe you don't. Maybe you just say it doesn't really matter. That's not the point. We're going to rebuild because the team isn't working. Um, but that would be one thing to consider. Um, some of this may help us inform our decision. Some of it is irrelevant because of certain things like fifth-year options that maybe should never have been given out. But let's, let's, uh, let's get started here. So for this week, overall, defense looked better than offense. I know that sounds backwards, but in terms of individual grades as opposed to a, a performance by uh, individual units, two players on offense had quote-unquote good grades. The highest being 77.1, which you may recognize is not a very high grade, but that belongs to David Bakhtiari, followed by Randall Cobb at 70.5. The guys who graded out as average, A.J. Dillon, Josh Myers, Alan Lazard, Elton Jenkins, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Christian Watson, and Yash Nyman, Uh, and that order was from lowest to highest. So between 60.3 with A.J. Dillon and 66.5 with Yash Nyman. Then you've got pretty much everybody else is just below average. Mercedes Lewis, Samori Ture, Robert Tunyon, Josiah DeGuara, John Runyon, Sammy Watkins, those guys are in the 50s. The only really bad grade, and it was only three snaps, so it doesn't super matter, but really bad grade, Tyler Davis. Before we switch over to defense and special teams, take a little closer look at how the guys performed this week. Aaron Rodgers, uh, 65.1 overall grade, 64.3 passing grade. some of the other, some of the general stats we've already seen: twenty-four completions, sixty-one point five uh, completion percentage, two twenty-seven for two touchdowns, no picks. He had two big-time throws and one turnover-worthy play in this game. 
Um, adjusted completion percentage only goes up to 67.6, so clearly higher. There were the two drops in the game. Uh, they only actually have it at one drop. I'm not exactly sure which one they thought was a drop and which they did not. I thought there were two, right? Christian Watson had one. I thought Lazard had one. I don't know. I'd, I've never seen PFF put drop stats that I've... They always make me feel like I'm going crazy because I'm like, I swear they were either more or less than that. But anyways, they marked it down as one. Uh, time to throw is 2.93, which is quite high for Aaron Rodgers. NFL passer rating 94.7. Today, uh, although the pressures were not massively plentiful, 27.5%, he was abysmal under pressure today. He had a 77.3 overall grade while kept clean, but a 37.5 grade while under pressure. Um, he completed 3 of 10 for 29 yards, 2.9 yards per attempt. So only three passes, and he averaged three yards on those passes. So my assumption would be anytime a pass wasn't basically at the line of scrimmage, it fell incomplete one way or another. Uh, two of those were, looks like, thrown away. The rest, I don't know, bad passes, I guess. Time to throw while under pressure was 4.35 seconds with an NFL passer rating of 39.6. Looking at play action and no play action, Aaron Rodgers with nope, and they didn't run play action very much, probably because the run game wasn't working. I don't really know why. 20% of the time was play action, but he was 5 of 8, 62.5% completions, uh, 55 yards and a touchdown, 73.2 overall grade. Without play action, which was 80% of the time, he was 19 of 31 for 172 yards and a touchdown, 60.5 overall grade. His NFL passer ratings between the two with play action 122.4, without play action 87. Looking at our receivers, um, again, a lot of the statistics we are already aware of, but Randall Cobb, six receptions, 73 yards. Lazard, five receptions, 57 yards. Watson, four receptions, 48 and two touchdowns. Jones, six receptions, 20 yards. Tunyon, two receptions, 19 yards. Dylan, one reception, 10 yards. Sammy Watkins, two targets, zero receptions. Uh, surprisingly, Randall Cobb actually beat Christian Watson in yards per reception. I know he didn't have a ton of deep shots, but it's still kind of funny. 12.2 compared to 12 yards per reception. By the way, a lot of people are upset with Christian Watson's grades. This is proof that PFF is trash. Well, it's proof that PFF is not what you want it to be. And like I've said before, fans want PFF to be a how dominant are you metric. So basically, mistakes are minor downgrades. Minor plays don't really matter. Big plays matter a lot. So for for example, let's say you have a three-play series. The first play is a drop. That's like a minus two. The second play is a three-yard reception. That's like a point three. And then a 50-yard touchdown is like 10 points. That would be like a fan scale. And so Christian Watson would have a really, 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 really high grade. PFF doesn't have that. They have a two-point scale, which is in 0.5 increments. So that's like kind of like an eight-point scale, I guess, randomly something like that. But the point is, if a drop is negative two and a 100-yard touchdown is as high as you can get a negative two or a positive two, it cancels itself out. Maybe a drop is negative one. I don't know. But the point is, that's why I say PFF is about consistency because you can't get too high or too low. The best thing you can do is be good consistently down the field. If, if, if it's good, bad, good, bad, good, bad, good, bad, it doesn't really matter how good and how bad because it all stays close to the middle. It's just about Again, consistency. And Christian Watson is not, as we know, consistent. 41.6 drop grade. Um, 
they obviously contributed that one drop to him. I don't know what the deal is with the Lazard drop. He did have one, right? Or am I drunk? I have no idea. Anyways, um, just wanted to point that out again because people get really upset about that. And it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, this is how PFF gauges it. And we just need to understand what PFF is telling us when we look at the grades. And for most of us, we don't care. Same with Rashawn Gary. The stats were great right out of, right out of college, but the grades were kind of trash because he was inconsistent. And same with, with even Rashawn now. I mean, he can get two sacks in a game and then kind of not be super great the rest of the game and have a low grade and everyone gets mad. It's like, if you're satisfied with inconsistent play on, on a down-to-down basis, but making big splash plays a couple times a game, then don't worry about the PFF grade because it's not going to tell you that. Just look at the stats. Ignore the grades. If you want to see how good they are on a consistent down-to-down basis, PFF grades are going to be a big uh, resource for you. All right. um, Snap counts on passing plays. Lazard was number one with 40. Then goes Christian Watson at 32. Then Tunyon at 29. Randall Cobb, 26. Jones, 26. A.J. Dillon, 19. Sammy Watkins, 14. So, Obviously, we can glean from this some stuff that we probably already knew. A couple surprising things. Randall Cobb being as low as he was, I'm guessing he's on a bit of a snap count. Um, not only was he lower than Christian Watson, but lower than Robert Tunyon. Um, although, remember, he's a slot guy, and these are passing plays, not necessarily running routes. So Tunyon is also in not just for receiving, but for blocking and everything else. Uh, also, Sammy Watkins being lower than Dylan and Jones and everybody on the team. Not surprising, but still, you know, I mean, that, that was a, a big mistake. Running routes, Lazard 39, Watson 31, Tunyon 28, so still ahead of Cobb by a little bit, 26 for Cobb, 23 for Jones, 17 for Dylan, 14 for uh, Sammy Watkins. And then uh, out of the slot, Randall Cobb, 88%. So again, if he's not in, if, if, if they're not playing three wide receiver, he's probably not on the field very often. So that contributes to it also. Our number two slot right now is Robert Tunyon, 41.4%. Slightly below that is Alan Lazard at 40. And then it plummets down to Christian Watson at 18. And then you got Jones, Watkins, and A.J. Dillon in the single digits slash zero for A.J. Dillon. Uh, Big after the play, guys. Yards after the catch per reception, A.J. Dillon with nine. Tunyon, seven. Jones, 6.5. Cobb, 3.5. Lazard, 1.2. Watson, 0.5 because of the, you know, all the behind-the-line scrimmage stuff. And then maybe the best metric of the whole group, which is yards per route run. This is what I talked about yesterday where Christian Watson did really well. Randall Cobb was the star today, 2.81 yards per route run. Christian Watson, 1.55. Lazard, 1.46. And then it's all down from there until you get to, obviously, Sammy with uh, zero. Average depth of target, Aaron Jones, negative 2.6 yards. On the other end of the spectrum was Christian Watson, 19.2. So this is all targets, not reception. So... Uh, we missed out on some opportunities with Christian Watson deep. He was the m- most deeply targeted receiver, but um, not capitalizing that is why uh, Randall Cobb had a higher yards per reception. Sammy Watkins also was a deep target, 17 yards per reception, but obviously didn't catch any. Same with Lazard, 15.7. Contested catches, Christian Watson was one for one, so that's a solid metric I'm going to be interested to look at for his career because I don't know the answer. Uh, Lazard was one for three. Sammy Watkins was zero for one. Team was two for five uh, for the for the game. Aaron Jones had the only two missed tackles forced in the game. Uh, first downs there were eleven total. Three for Watson, three for Randall Cobb, three for Lazard, 
One for Tunyon, one for Jones. Passer ratings. Christian Watson was the highest, clearly, with all the touchdowns, 130.6. The other guys above 100, Randall Cobb, 117.4. A.J. Dillon, 108.3. The lowest, obviously, Sammy Watkins, 39.6. Running backs. Um, again, the general stats, you've got uh, not much here. we got 56 total team rushing yards, which is a surprisingly about average i do wish we'd stuck with the run a little more i know that's going to sound stupid because we weren't doing much but there were some pretty big chunk plays and i I, every time i saw that i said we're going to crack it we're we're going to you know the titans are only giving up 65 some odd yards we're going to be able to get to 100 if we keep doing that but the bigger issue is just not getting opportunities we were never on the field um and on top of that playing from behind and on top of that the run game not working super well it was not very conducive but i it was frustrating that we didn't uh I wonder how much that contributes to other teams not getting to 100 rushing yards also is the fact that their offense doesn't play very much. Anyways, Aaron Jones, 3.3 yards per carry. A.J. Dillon, 2.2 yards per carry. Aaron Jones with one fumble in the game that was ultimately recovered. Yards after contact per attempt. Aaron Jones, 2.17. A.J. Dillon, 2.67. That poor guy has a larger yards after contact per attempt than he has yards per attempt because he has a negative average contact <laughs> number on average he's hit behind the line of scrimmage you know i i th- there has to be something to aj dillon declining but i can't get past the fact that the guy never has anywhere to go all right i was really frustrated with him early in the season and probably still would be if i kept watching about him not following his blockers that was a problem but the amount of times this guy has hit behind the line of scrimmage is staggering to me missed tackles forced jones one Dil- uh, jones two dillon one uh, Jones with the only carry over 10 yards. That's about it. And then finally, blocking. Um, some pretty interesting things here. The run blocking obviously was pretty terrible. However, highest graded run blocker on the team, Christian Watson, as I've said. I know his grades for the season don't necessarily bear this out, but I have been impressed with him all season. David Bakhtiari, the only other competent run blocker with a 73.1 overall run blocking grade. The next highest is Yash Nyman with a 60.9. Um, a few in the 60s. But uh, otherwise, the really poor blocking, Alan Lazard, 43.4, Tyler Davis, 36.8. Going from left to right, um, well, let's just do this. Let's let's look at uh, the overall pass blocking. Elton Jenkins with the highest pass blocking grade, which is uh, obviously very exciting news. Zero pressures given up the entire game. We need that desperately, and hopefully this is something for... um, to look forward to into the future. You know, as we look into the future, Elton Jenkins is a big piece. And I don't know what the issue was, injuries or whatever, but seeing this performance is great. The run blocking was putrid, but uh, 51.9 overall grade. But seeing a 90 pass blocking grade and zero pressures given up against this team is 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 fantastic. Josh Myers, surprisingly, again, putrid run blocking, exact same as Elton Jenkins, but an 84.7 and similarly zero pressures given up. Bakhtiari with a 77.8. That guy has not had a bad day, I think, since he came back. A.J. Dillon with a 75.7. By the way, Bakhtiari did give up two hurries. Mercedes Lewis, 74.1. Yash Nyman, 69.7. Then John Runyon, 43.5 pass blocking grade. He says he didn't give up any pressures. Yash Nyman, six hurries he gave up in this game. Uh, I don't know what was going on with Runyon, but he was apparently not getting, or he's getting beat by guys that couldn't get to Rodgers. Aaron Jones, uh, only two opportunities and gave up a pressure, so a 17.5 overall grade for him is not fantastic. Um, So left to right, Bakhtiari was great in both categories. 
Left guard, Elton Jenkins, great pass blocking, terrible run blocking. Center, exact same situation. Right guard, terrible across the board. Right tackle, um, clicking on the wrong thing here. Pretty bad across the board. So, I mean, Yash, I, I shouldn't say that. 70, 69.7, 70 pass blocking is, is not terrible. But the right side was clearly the biggest liability. So left side, from center to left, you had great pass blocking just across the board. And honestly, if you include the 70 from Yash, the only real liability was John Runyon with a 43.5. But the run blocking was what was really detrimental. You had nothing from Yash, nothing from Runyon. Uh, and then Josh Myers and Elton Jenkins were straight up bad. It was just David Bakhtiari that was able to do it. So not super problematic, or not super great. It is super problematic. Nine pressures given up. All of them were hurries, no sacks or hits, which is great. Uh, wait a minute. Of course there was a sack. Oh, that, that, because that was put on Rodgers. Rodgers would be credited with that sack. Uh, as far as the offensive line, six, nine pressures given up, all hurries, one from Jones, two from Bakhtiari, and six from Yash Nyman, which is, again, brutal. Anyways, um, should we do, de- now nah, let's take a break here. Take a break, we'll do defense, and then we'll, it's probably not how I should do it, but I feel like taking a break, so I'm going to. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Uh, if you'd like to support the podcast directly, it would be greatly, greatly appreciated. If you'd like to support Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry, that also would be greatly appreciated. You can find their information at fertilegroundranch.org, or you can donate uh, to the link pinned to the top of my Twitter. We will take a break. We'll be right back. Ah, mm, The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. All right, we're back at it. We're back at it. Defense now. Um, like I said, a lot more good official seventies and higher. Cause there were a couple that were close, but going with the officials, there were six of them. Adrian Amos, 71.8 Quay Walker, 73.6 Preston Smith, 74, seven. Then the three highest were Jonathan Garvin with an 80.1. Yes. I said, Jonathan Garvin Kingsley and Agbury. Is that what they said on TV? It's pretty funny. 80.8, love to see it. And Chris Barnes was the highest with an 83.1. The averages, some of them will go from low to high. Some of them are pretty close. Jonathan Abram, uh, one snap. Jaron Reed, Jair Alexander, Kenny Clark, Ladarius Hamilton, TJ Slayton, Devontae Wyatt, Dean Lowry, and Razul Douglas. Guys that were pretty high, TJ Slayton, Devontae Wyatt, Dean Lowry, Razul Douglas. The three, get off my field, you suck horribly grades Isaiah McDuffie Keyshawn Nixon and Rudy Ford weren't those the three guys last week that were like they're so good (laughs) Isaiah McDuffie with a 35.2 Keyshawn 33.4 Rudy Ford with a 33.2 the lowest grade on uh, on defense maybe the team I don't know statistics actually let's let's continue with the grades a little bit here run defense uh really good grades Preston Smith Dean Lowry Chris Barnes Jonathan Garvin, Kenny Clark, Adrian Amos, all in the 70s. Kingsley and Igbare with a 80.7 overall grade. The only bad grade in run defense, Rudy Ford with a 45 overall grade. Tackling. 
good good grades. Ladarius Hamilton, Isaiah McDuffie, Kingsley Anigbare, Kenny Clark, Jonathan Garvin, Razul Douglas, Jair Alexander, Darnell Savage, Keyshawn Nixon, really good grades, Quay Walker and Adrian Amos. It's so disappointing because you look at this and it's like, if you'd have just showed me this, I said, oh, we won the game for sure. Real good run defense. The tackling was on point. Like, this is a great game. Bad tackling. Preston Smith, and then real bad, Jaron Reed, Rudy Ford, and Dean Lowry. Pass rush, the only good grade was Chris Barnes, which is pathetic. He didn't even have a pass rush attempt in this game, but he ended up with a sack. Um, no real bad grades, but below average, Razul, Amos, McDuffie, Hamilton, Wyatt, Lowry, Kenny Clark, and Jaron Reed. Uh, the later names were the worst names. Coverage, one good grade, and that's Quay Walker. I guess you love to see it, kind of. Chris Barnes was close, kind of love to see it, but not really. Uh, below average, Darnell Savage, terrible putrid trash grades, Rudy Ford, Keyshawn Nixon, Isaiah McDuffie. Pressure statistics, we had 12 pressures in the game. One for Reed, Lowry, Barnes, Slayton, and Quay Walker. Two for Preston and Jonathan Garvin, and three for Kingsley and Igbare. I think the thing that really sucks about this is I feel like when Rashawn was on the team, everybody was at 10% or higher. We had like four or five guys every week. Kingsley had three pressures on 25 attempts. That's great. Uh, Preston had two. Obviously, his two big sacks, but he was two on 25 attempts, and those are the only pressures he had the entire game. Uh, Dean Lowry had one on 20. Jaron Reed had one on 26. Nobody else really had any significant amount of pressures. Um, the best would be Jonathan Garvin, two pressures on seven attempts, but a lot of these are just very, I mean, uh, let's see who else, where's, where's my guy, Wyatt, um, zero pressures, six attempts. So for every seven pressure guy that got one, there's a bunch that got none, but, uh, the two, uh, we had four sacks, not four total, but four, you know, I think Quay and Preston like combined on one or whatever, but two for Preston, one for Quay, one for Barnes. And then that was one hit and seven hurries. Tackles, Quay led the team, then Adrian Amos, nobody cares. Missed tackles, Preston Smith, Jaron Reed, Dean Lowry, Rudy Ford, and Chris Barnes. As a percentage, Preston was the highest, then Rudy Ford, then Dean Lowry. Those three were all above 20%. Preston Smith at 33 and a third percent. Stops Quay Walker with five, which is phenomenal. Chris Barnes with four, and then down from there. No forced fumbles. Coverage statistics. Jair, five targets, three receptions, 67 yards, 104.2 passer rating when targeted. That kind of sucks. Razul Douglas, four targets, four receptions, 43 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Aside from the pick, that kind of sucks. Adrian Amos, four targets, four receptions, 28 yards, and a touchdown, 135.4 passer rating when targeted. That sucks. Quay Walker, three targets, two receptions, six yards, 70.1 passer rating. Way to go. Rudy Ford, three targets, three receptions, 34 yards, 113.9 passer rating. Could be better. Isaiah, two targets, two receptions, 22 yards, and a touchdown. That sucks. Chris Barnes, two targets, two receptions, 15 yards. Darnell Savage, two targets, two receptions, 37 yards. Keyshawn Nixon and Preston Smith, both one target, one reception. But Keyshawn, seven yards. Preston, 48 yards. So everybody doing their part to give up just a massive amount of yards. Jair gave up the most with 67. Then Keyshawn and Razul, 43. Preston, 42. Why Preston is even in that spot, I don't know. Darnell, 37. Ford, uh, 34. Amos, 28. Isaiah, 22. Barnes, 15. Quay, 6. And then the touchdowns again. 
given up by Amos, Douglas, and McDuffie with the one pick going to Razul Douglas. One, two, let's see, eight total players gave up a passer rating of over 100. It was an average passer rating for Ryan Tannehill of 140.3 in this game. Oh, and penalties, Kenny Clark and Darnell Savage. Finally, special teams. Again, really happy to see we, 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 in the past, and this is where I want there to be continued optimism, when I would look at PFF grades for special teams, there would be like one guy with a 69.4, and that would be the highest grade, and it's like, all right, here's our one guy. This week, Adrian Amos was that one guy with a 68.3, but we also had Eric Wilson, 70.2, Jonathan Garvin, 70.8, Patrick Taylor, 71.1, Ladarius Hamilton, 72.4, Quay Walker, 73.8, Rudy Ford with an 86.2, and Isaiah McDuffie with an 86.5. They sucked on defense uh, the other day, but made up for it apparently on special teams. The terrible special teamers, Jonathan Abram, Keyshawn Nixon, that is not as a... uh, return that's uh that's a separate category so this is him doing other like trying to tackle guys and he had a missed tackle so that doesn't help um and jack coco with a 28.9 grade as far as the returns go um Keyshawn nixon 64.2 overall grade five returns kickoff returns for 108 yards 32 yards was his longest 21.6 average sure feels longer than that but it is what it is Punt returns, he had two for 37 yards. 24 yards was his longest, 18.5 average. I don't know how in the world he gets a 62 grade on that. 18.5 average on punts? That's pretty awesome, but whatever. Again, I don't... The special teams grades are always, like, right at 60. And then finally, the punting grade, 53.6, four attempts, 189 yards, 47.3 average, 44.3 net. His longest was 55 yards. One was kicked inside the 20. Average hang time, 3.2 seconds. All right. Now, one last thing. We're going to zoom out. I'm not going to be that in-depth, but I just want to zoom out and at least look at the grades of the players before we kind of start to dissect this thing. Well, let's do this. Let's look at overall grades compared to the rest of the uh, the group. The Packers are graded 14th overall. Uh, it doesn't feel that way, but that's because we have better players than we have talent. Or uh, that was a stupid way to say it. We have better players than we have production. Uh, overall offense ranks 12th. Uh, passing, which would be the quarterback, ranks eighth. Pass blocking is actually third. Receiving is down at 26th. Rushing, third best. Run blocking is 28th. Defense ranks 15th. Run defense ranks 19th. Tackling, the Packers rank 16th. Pass rush, the Packers rank 9th. Obviously, that's going to plummet with Rashawn being out. Coverage, the Packers rank 10th. Special teams, the Packers rank 22nd, which is a massive improvement. Uh, Again, only a couple categories where the Packers don't rank at least competent top 16-ish. Now, here are the grades overall for the season on offense. Unfortunately, the top four players and the only four guys that have pretty good grades are the four guys that you're looking dead at and saying, these are the guys that are going to go if we tear this thing down. Number one is Aaron Jones. Number two is David Bakhtiari. Number three is Randall Cobb. Number four is Aaron Rodgers. The only other good grade on the entire team is A.J. Dillon, and he's at a 70.3. Now, that doesn't mean, ha-ha, that obviously that means we have to bring them all back. No, it doesn't. If the formula doesn't work, if we're looking at this and saying, we need to do something different and plan for the future, if it's a teardown and rebuild, they go away either way. 
the question is, is that what we're doing or not? Because the, the opposite side of this is, they're our best players, we got to keep them. Well, how do we fix this? Well, we got to tear it down and rebuild. Those are the guys that go if we tear it down and rebuild. You, it doesn't make sense to say, well, why don't we tear down and rebuild using the young, inexperienced, inexpensive guys? That doesn't do anything for you. We still are in a contract disaster. We still have no money. We still are not, we don't have any pieces for the future. In fact, we just got rid of them all. Continuing on, though, with the season-wide grades, uh, average from high to low, Zach Tom, Alan Lazard, Elton Jenkins, Josh Nyman, Kylan Hill with one snap, Christian Watson, Jordan Love, uh, John Runyon, Sammy Watkins, Josh Myers, Romeo Dobbs. Below average grades, Royce Newman, Josiah DeGuara, Robert Tunyon, Patrick Taylor, Tyler Davis, Mercedes Lewis, Amari Rogers, who's already gone, Juwan Winfrey, and then Samori Ture. The only bad grade on the entire offense, Jake Hansen. Uh, defensively, we've got uh, Rashawn Gary clearly as the only one that's in the 80s with an 82.9. The good grades, Devondre Campbell, Rudy Ford, Jair Alexander, Kobe Jones, and Kingsley Enigbare. Uh, Razul Douglas is very close with his 69.5. Average grades, you've got Devontae Wyatt would be the next highest, surprisingly. Dean Lowry, Preston Smith, Eric Wilson. Uh, skip some of these. Jaron Reed, Isaiah McDuffie, Shamar Jean Charles, then Kenny Clark, which is ridiculous. Um, the, and that's it. He's actually at the bottom of the average pile. The below-average pile, Jonathan Garvin, Adrian Amos, God, just is so depressing, Chris Barnes, uh, Quay Walker, TJ Slayton, Eric Stokes, and then the bad, Darnell Savage and Keyshawn Nixon, the appalling Ladarius Hamilton. I mean, it, it's crazy to me the amount of guys that stand out as just they should not be here. You know, the offense is understandable. The average, it's like, okay, Romeo Dobbs doesn't have an elite, whatever, he's a rookie, doesn't matter. But you got Kenny Clark at a 62 overall grade, considering, especially considering how he started the season. He started the season absolutely on fire. And um, since basically week seven has kind of just given up, I guess. Even then, his grade wasn't great, but he had five pressures. Since then, though, 37 overall grade, two pressures, 32, one pressure, 47, two pressures, and this past game was his highest in since the Jets game, but a 65 overall grade and zero pressures. It was his only game this year so far without a single pressure. But he started the season 70, 78, 87, had a 48 against New England, then 77 and 70, with 6, 4, 3, 1, 3, 2, 5 as his starting pressure amounts. He was one of the highest, if not the highest, graded defensive tackles through about the first five weeks of football. He currently has a 62 overall grade and has a sub-10% pressure rate. 29 pressures on 304 attempts. It is such an unbelievable fall from grace. Just this season. I'm not talking about he's been elite forever and is just struggling now. I'm talking about he was way better than average, his average self, to start the season and is way worse than his average self just now. I don't know if it's just he just is not handling this losing very well and has kind of just given up. I don't know, but this sucks. But anyways, I, the the complication is, as I said, what is the direction we're headed? 
What are we doing? Tear it down and rebuild, right? Build for the future. Okay. So the older guys are going to head out. We don't need to go through the list. You can make up who that is in your mind. And we're going to build around what? Again, just based on the grades, there's not a lot to love here. Let's start with the defense. Who are we building around? Is Kenny in our future plans? I mean, he should be. He's only going to be 28 by next year, so I'll say yes. So at defensive tackle, you've got Kenny and what? Slayton and Wyatt? What's the future of the position? Slayton hasn't done anything, Wyatt hasn't done anything, and Kenny Clark gave up. So that sucks. What about outside linebacker? We got Preston, Rashawn, and Kingsley. Preston is kind of iffy as far as building for the future, but his contract is really not that bad. It's a pretty low contract, so there's no urgency to get rid of him. You certainly could if you really were in a pinch, but you're doing more harm than good, I think. So at least for the next couple years, Preston and Rashawn and Kingsley could be here. We really don't have anything after that. Inside linebacker, you got Quay. Devondre's contract makes him really hard to get rid of. So we got Quay and we got Devondre. All right, so that's, that's that. I mean, depth is a separate issue. Corner, you got Jair. You got um, Stokes. And you got Razul at least for, for another couple years. Now, you don't have to keep Razul Douglas, but he's not old and he's not expensive. And again, if the theory is a new defensive coordinator can maybe put these guys in better spots to succeed, I don't really know, but I'm okay with it. I don't need premium players anyways. You have premium players mixed with some adequate players, and you can find yourself a really good defense. The problem is we got premium players and adequate players all playing like garbage players on a garbage defense. So the corners seem okay. Safety. Savage, no. Amos, I don't think so. Now, we could say Rudy Ford is, is an option for now, along with I don't know who, but as I see it, we're going to need a lot of help at defensive tackle. We're going to need a lot of help at safety. On the offense, Rodgers goes. Now, we can't cut him. I understand that, but, but that would have to be the, the direction we're trying to go if the plan is to tear down and rebuild. Do we have an answer there? Not really. Maybe with Jordan Love, but I'm going to go with not really. Aaron Jones, probably not going to be there, so we're building around what? A.J. Dillon? Tight end. What do we have? Tyler Davis, I think, was a swing and a miss. Josiah DeGuara is so-so. Tunyon and Mercedes, not future pieces, in my opinion. If we're being honest, I don't think DeGuara or Tyler Davis really are either. We've got young guys that can stick around. We don't have guys that we really want to pay a lot of money to to stay around. Wide receiver, you got Watson, you got Dobbs, you got Ture. Offensive line, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, John Runyon, Yash Nyman, Royce Newman, Zach Tom, Sean Ryan, Rashid Walker. There's a lot of names there. But just understand that that's part of the issue here is we're getting things right, but we're also kind of taking some hits here. And these holes are going to be hard to overcome, especially if you don't have any one person that's really going to be able to drag this team. We don't have that Aaron Rodgers anymore. And maybe you can keep Aaron Rodgers, I guess, but it it doesn't really make sense to keep Aaron Rodgers just to cripple the team and make it worse than the last time he was here. And so we would need help at wide receiver. We would need help at offensive line. We would need help at tight end. We would need help at quarterback, and we might need help at running back. The entire offense is is in full-on rebuild mode. Now, that isn't to say there aren't promising pieces. It's not at zero. Watson and Dobbs are, are promising. 
Zach Tom is promising. Elton Jenkins seems to be rebounding. Josh Myers is adequate. John Runyon, the rest of these guys are, are okay. Dylan is obviously at least adequate. And the tight ends, we don't have to get rid of. So they can, I'm, I'm saying they're not future future, but they're still there. So Tanya and Deguara, whatever, hopefully we add some pieces there. But we, I, I definitely think we need to invest in wide receiver. And I think we're going to struggle if we don't heavily invest in premier pieces along the offensive line, not just dribs and drabs in the fifth, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth round. We've had a lot of success for what it is. For, for a team that does not invest in the first round, you know, Elton Jenkins being the, the, the one second-round guy, Josh Myers being a second-round guy, but then Runyon's sixth, Nyman is an undrafted free agent, and Bakhtiari's a fourth, Ryan's a third, Tom's a fourth, Newman's a fourth, Rashid's a seventh. I just think we're really going to struggle if we don't invest a little more. And that's true of the offense in general. I mean, we don't have you know, Christian Watson's a second, Romeo's a fourth, Lazard is undrafted. You know, Cobb and Watkins are kind of older castaways. Dylan is a second. It's about it, though. So we would we would need to embrace the fact that this is, although it's not a full teardown and rebuild because we still have pieces, in a sense it kind of is. Because even if, let's say, we go into the draft and we get somebody that's as good as Rodgers, we might not have Lazard or Cobb or Watkins or Bakhtiari or Aaron Jones or or. Tunyon or, or who knows which guys stay and which guys go, but those pieces could be missing. We might not have on the defensive side Dean Lowry, Jaron Reed, Adrian Amos, so that the team is, is potentially headed toward a nosedive with the entire hope being that we can add enough pieces, and we can't do much in free agency yet. The, the point in getting all these people off the rolls is so that by 2024, we have a little bit of money and can start to do some stuff, but until then, we, we get some high draft picks and really need to hit them out of the park. And here's my concern. This is why I'm so concerned about the coaching situation. Because I don't want to waste more years with coaches that are not going to make it work. And uh, I got a message from um, Todd, as I refer to him, Todd Numberman. Um, he made some comments about the 2010 Packers. He's already told me about that, and so I uh, fully understand and not sure what he's disagreeing with that I said, but I said something that upset him. But then he said this, talking about Joe Barry, and I hope he's okay with me reading this, but that's the way it goes when you send me stuff sometimes. Um, he says, another item, the whole coaching staff needs to go. One simple example, of which there are many, many more examples that should be obvious to most, Joe Barry is Matt LaFleur's fault. If you recall, you read a message of mine on the air from February, pointing out how incredible our defensive players were in 2021 and yet how bad the actual defense played. This was pretty obvious to anyone with PFF and a login to DVOA, let alone access to an NFL front office. Like my 2010 uh, message, it didn't take a deep dive into analytics to understand this, and thus any decent head coach uh, this should be obvious to. As I mentioned in that message, Barry was 22nd in DVOA, which was Caper's worst defense, except Capers was doing that with Lindsey Pipkins, Ladarius Gunter, Nick Perry, CM3 at inside linebacker, etc. Barry was doing that with once-in-a-lifetime seasons from Gary and Studs all over his defense. Simply, Joe Barry sucks, and it was obvious. Yet here we are, just like we were with special teams last year. How did we not fire special teams coordinator in season last year? They ran about eight different special teams plays all season. We can't learn a couple new twists on the same plays with the new coordinator in season. 
Matt LaFleur needs to go, and I have countless other various uh, obvious Matt LaFleur fundamental decisions that he just continues to screw up over and over and over again. Um, anyways, um, the middle of this, first of all, I agree with a lot of that, and it's why I've come to the conclusion that Joe Barry does, in fact, need to go, and, in fact, maybe Matt needs to go for, I've said for different reasons, but this is another one. The and 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 Mike McCarthy was I think even worse than Matt LaFleur but but it's still a thing where you begin to build personal relationships and you don't have enough of a backbone to fire these guys who become your friends and I understand that that would be very difficult to do but sometimes it needs to happen and and very often it just doesn't happen we give guys way too much of a benefit of the doubt rather than just looking at it simply and saying you are not good enough to get this job done and we need to move on but I thought the the most interesting part was in the middle where he says that uh, Joe Barry was 22nd in DVOA, which was Dom Caper's worst defense. When I say on this podcast that we are not getting the most out of our guys, and, and, and some people retort, well, maybe our guys just aren't that good. Listen to me when I tell you that the way our defense is playing is well below. I'm not telling you at this point that this is a perfect elite end-to-end defensive roster where everybody is just this premier elite unstoppable piece. You don't need to be. We are playing right now at a level that was Dom Capers at his worst with a roster that was beyond pathetic. Beyond pathetic. You remember that pass rush? How non-existent that was? Do you remember how we had zero corners and zero safeties and no linebackers? We had nothing on that defense. And yet we ranked 22nd-ish. He put a question mark there, so he's not exactly sure the number. But the point is, our defense with all the players, regardless of what you think, you cannot tell me that Rashawn Gary is Nick Perry and Jair Alexander is Lindsey Pipkins or Ladarius Gunter. You just, you will never convince me of that. We have much better players than what we are playing right now, period. There is no excuse, and he cannot, cannot come back next year. Because here's the thing, if he gets another year, Matt gets two more years. And if Matt needs to go, it could be three years before we discover that. And who knows how long before that guy gets in and starts to figure things out. And at that point, this entire roster's in the garbage. Everybody's gone already. The young guys that we have now are on the back half of their careers. We don't have time to like, let's give it a year. Let's give it a year. Let's give it a Joe Barry, like he said, he should have been fired last year. But what did we do? We gave him one more year. If we give him one more year again, there's no way that he goes out with, with Matt LaFleur. We need a new defensive coordinator, and I think maybe Brian Gutekunst should take over that. Matt, Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst have, have seemingly been better at this. Murphy brought in Gutekunst, and then Murphy and Gutekunst brought in LaFleur. And maybe, maybe LaFleur was a bad hire, I don't know. But I think the hiring decisions need to at least in some degree be taken away from them. We will get your input. You, if you tell me what kind of defenses succeed, you know, not that Gutekunst doesn't know this, but you know, the, the direction maybe we should go fine. But I, I would rather Gutekunst and, and Mark Murphy kind of collaborate and figure out a direction to go with a, with a defensive coordinator 
not Matt LaFleur hiring somebody that he worked with several years ago that's a buddy of his that he knows is a really smart guy, like the guy he picked up in Detroit who got fired from the worst defense in football. They work together. Everybody he hires he's worked with at some point, with the exception of the one guy, Rich Passaccia, which was, again, the GM coming in and saying, we need to take control of this and and figure out what to do, and they went and got the highest-priced guy that they could. And let's be honest, I know that special teams hasn't been what we want it to be, but it's clearly better, just by virtue of the guys that have come in. Rudy Ford, Keyshawn Nixon, Dallin Levitt, they're all doing better. I mean, Amari was one of the biggest issues, and yeah, it took him way too long to get rid of him. Don't know the reason, but now that he's gone, what, what, what are the biggest issues? Mason has completely fallen off a cliff, probably due to injury, and we gave up one blocked kickoff or whatever. I, I, I think special teams has actually looked quite good with the exception of some disasters, 90% of which left with Amari. On the flip side, we just bring it all back and we try it again. And maybe we let uh, Joe Barry go and, um, you know, we don't go that route and we get a high pick and we, you know, get a wide receiver or something, I guess. I, I, I think... For now, this is this is where I'm at. For now, we sit back, we watch the games, and 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 understand that what happens again. This is a lot like training camp. What happens here can help inform what we do going forward. I, I I'm guessing Brian Gutekunst already has a plan, and I'm I'm quite positive that plan is for Rodgers to come back and just continue because that's usually how these things go. We look at it and go, hey, things are getting crazy. Maybe it's time to move on. And, and Gutekunst every time is like, we have no intention of doing that. Rogers is our guy. He's going to be here forever. We're never getting rid of him. I don't think that's going to change. Now, at the same time, he was saying that back when we were 13 win, 13 win, 13 win. And maybe this year he's like, all right, this is my opportunity to get this freaking Jaguar out of here. I've been trying to get rid of him forever. Then he goes and wins back-to-back MVP. I can't wait. I don't know. But just based on the way things have been going, I have that inclination that that's going to be the thing. So the question is, what persons on the coaching staff are going to be coming back because here's the thing as much as I think the Packers are are going to kind of stick with stuff they're they they cannot allow this to just be okay and to say well it's kind of a weird thing we'll just kind of run it back no way so if they're going to quote unquote run it back there need to be major changes and that means the determination was the coaching staff is the problem but even that is like I'm, I'm trying to get out of here but can't stop thinking about even that doesn't make sense how do you explain the offensive collapse joe barry was the problem with the entire team that doesn't make any sense i don't i don't know 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 what to do i'm trying not to say fire matt lafleur i just i can't i don't know what to do we have to keep rogers we have to keep lafleur how do we fix the offense i don't know man just kind of screwed but it's just one of those things like you can't get rid of Rodgers and you can't get rid of LaFleur, so you got to just suck it up and tank 2024 and just keep your fingers crossed that, hey, maybe that won't happen again. That doesn't make sense. We're not going to try to fix the problem. We're just going to go, eh, hopefully that does. That sucked. It's like you're, you're walking down a path and a snake jumps out and bites you. You're like, dang, that sucked. I want to walk back over there. Hopefully that doesn't happen again. Like, no, we need a new plan. We can't walk back through the, well, come on. It's one snake bite, dude. We've walked a million paths and never been bit by snakes. Yeah, but you just got bit by a snake right there. Ah, come on, you're overreacting. I've been on a million hikes. I I get that part. You're going to get bit if you do the same thing. If you walk in front of that snake again, you're going to get bit again. Nah, we might not. 
Maybe maybe he got out of his system. Maybe he doesn't feel it. Maybe he trusts me more now because he's like, that dude wouldn't come back unless he truly loved me. You don't know everything, okay, smart guy? Maybe I can go over there and won't get bit. You're telling me you know 100% that that snake didn't die in the last 30 seconds. 100%. You're a liar. You don't know that. Maybe that snake got eaten by a mongoose. Can't do it. Got to do something different, but what? I don't know. It's like the exact same title of yesterday's podcast, but uh, yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. There's, there's the PFF grades, nothing super inspiring other than the only things that are working are the guys that we might need to get rid of. Um, I don't know. It kind of sucks, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to start a new thought because then I'm going to be here for another hour. Please call in with your thoughts to 608 501 Let me know what you think. You have a good one. I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.